Hello again, everyone. This is Joel back with you from Restoration Church. This week, I'll be continuing the series we've started as far as, um, or in regards to the good life. That's kind of been the theme these last couple weeks. Um, this week, I'll be talking about the good life of faithfulness. So each week we'll be coming back to you with just this idea of, okay, if we pursue a life with Jesus, that brings us a, a good life. Um, maybe not by the worldly expectations, but in a true godly way, he grants us a good life. The first week, or last week, Trevor came and talked about this idea of meekness and how you know, life with Jesus is good through the meekness. And we even talked about, you know, what does that mean exactly? And um, today, in faithfulness, some of the things I talk about even kind of connect to some of what he spoke about. And so, just jumping in here. So, I named the title of my my sermon is "The Good Life of Faithfulness: A Life of Expect." Or of, I'm sorry, a life of anticipation. There's that key word, anticipation, that I'm going to come back to um, throughout this teaching. And it was just a word that, as I was kind of studying some materials and getting ready for this, this word of anticipation kept kind of coming back to me. And so. I'm speaking on faithfulness, but to me, faithfulness in a form is anticipation. So, you know, the first question we have to kind of consider is what what exactly is faithfulness? Um, I mean, I think different people might define it differently. And so I kind of had some conversations, you know, some people said it's just, um, it's trust. It's um, just having trust in something. Um, Some people said it's like, it's a consistency. Like you can always have the same expectation if you have faith in something, you know it'll just be consistent. And I think those are all great. And I think mine kind of falls right in line with those where I think in my head consistency was maybe the one I was kind of thinking of. Okay, if something is faithful, it does not waver. It just is always the same through and through. But, you know, obviously we should probably look to Scripture when we want to define anything really. So this idea of faithfulness in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So let me think about that again. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You know, a lot of people use the words faith and hope kind of, you know, they can use either one. They sometimes mean the same thing. And I've had, I've listened to teachings, I've done teachings on what's the difference between faith and hope. So I'm not really going to distinguish between the two they're close enough to for our sake today that they'll be the same thing but confidence in what we hope for so I, I just like that idea of okay what do we what do we hope for what are we what are we looking for or looking forward to come and then the assurance about what we do not see so what do we what do we trust God that even though we don't see it we know he will provide it for us and again this word of anticipation just came back to my mind so I looked up some definitions and some meanings of that and the ones, a couple that I liked is it's an act of looking forward, but it's also it could be a pleasurable expectation. So I kind of combine those two and it's just this act of looking forward to a pleasurable expectation. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty awesome to me. I'm looking forward to something that is, will bring me pleasure. You know, just that expectation of what God has for me. I mean, God means good for us. I mean, that is what he intends us and so this idea that I can expect that. When I was thinking about anticipation, I I love movies. I watch a lot of movies. I always have since I was a little kid. And you know, movies is maybe the one thing that when I say anticipation, it's like what movies am I anticipating? What am I looking forward to going to, you know, the movies to see? And 
I've watched enough movies now to know that anticipation, expectation, all those things, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. So I think of some like, you know, the more, the more highly anticipated movies I've ever seen, you know, sometimes they meet those expectations that they're, they're, you know, they're as good as you would hope for. There's a plenty and a lot of times where they do not live up to those expectations. That anticipation is not, it's not met with what I'd hoped it to be. And then on the rare occasion, this is the rarest, sometimes that anticipation for a movie is surpassed. The expectation, it, it outdoes the expectation. It's even greater than I could have imagined. And I think the good life with Jesus, what we anticipate, we should expect even greater than what we can um, expect or what we can think is even capable. We are so limited in what we can expect, what we can understand. And so that idea that you know, Jesus's will is perfect. His plans are more beautiful, more, again, just perfect than anything we could ever expect. So this idea that I anticipate things beyond my own understanding from, from Jesus is something that, I don't know, brings a smile to my face that, man, even if it's as good as I hoped it can be, that'd be amazing, but it's going to be even better. Like a life with Jesus is even better than anything, anything I can anticipate. So I, you know, I had some conversations with some people and I just asked, you know, what were some of the more anticipated moments in your life? You know, I think we all have things that, you know, from a, from a small child that you look forward to when you're a kid, you know, you look forward to your birthday or Christmas sometime when you, you know, you get these gifts or presents and the anticipation and the hope for like these great outcomes, these things that you want. And then as you get older, you know, a teenager, you're starting to think of, okay, man, someday I'll be able to drive someday. I won't you know, I can kind of move out on my own, I can start my own life. And then, you know, after high school, after college, maybe you start your professional life or even, you know, your family life, you have all these ideas of what it might look like. And you, I mean, it is anticipation, you're looking forward to these things, and you're hoping for the best outcome possible. You know, here where I'm at in my life right now, I think, okay, you know, I've already got a job, I've worked into that, and I'm pretty well situated in that. But, you know, recently, just me personally, I, I bought a house recently. That's something I've been anticipating for a while. Um, I got engaged recently, so I'm going to be getting married here in a couple months and all these things that I've anticipated for long parts of my life. And now I get to see, okay, these things down here on earth that I've anticipated, do they live up to what I'd hoped, what I what I expected? Now, you know, I've only been living in my new house for a couple weeks now, but I've gotten the great joy of finding out all the things I didn't know were wrong with the house, things that I get to look forward to, you know, investing in and working on and um, just making my home better over time. Now, that's not necessarily disappointing. You know, I knew that would be the case, but it is just this thing that like, you know, I was so excited to move into this house and now as soon as I'm there, there's work to be done. So it's not to say it's not a good life in my home, but you know, there is things that I have to do if I want it to stay good, if I want it to remain good. When I get married in a few months, Again, I have anticipation, expectations of how great I hope that life to be. But at the same time, I do know it will be work. I know, you know, me and my wife will have to work together. We'll have to compromise. We'll have to collaborate. There's all these things that it, there's so much to do that some days it'll be good. Some days it probably won't be as good. I know that now beforehand. But even now, even as I know that, once I get there, it'll be a different reality. And so I think just this idea of like these things we anticipate in life, Again, maybe they live up to expectations, maybe they don't, but this good life with Jesus is just, I'm going to keep kind of, you know, 
commenting on this idea that it's going to be so much better. I mean, to call it good is an understatement. It's going to be even better than what we can imagine. And that's even, you know, our time here on earth, like the things God provides for us, the way God supports us and things like that. He is just bringing us to this good life. So, you know, next question I kind of asked some people, I said, so what does a life of anticipation mean to you? And so as we talked about it, you know, anticipation to me, back to that idea of looking forward to something pleasurable. I know not everyone is this way, but I am. I'm a, I'm a fairly optimistic person. I call myself a realistic optimist because, you know, I've lived enough life to where I think, I think I'm pretty realistic in what I know is likely to happen in many, in most situations in my life. However, I like to be optimistic. I like to think, okay, this is what I think is going to happen. However, I hope for something better. I hope for more. I hope for an even greater outcome. And so for me, this is a little bit easy, but I know that's not the case for everybody, but this life of anticipation to me is you just always have, you know, this life of having something to look forward to. I know if you're, if you're a skeptic, if you're a pessimist, maybe, you know, that's not as easy for you to do, but to me, I want a life where I'm looking forward to what God has to come for me down the road. I always want to have that positive mindset and that um, just positive thinking of, okay, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever it is, you know, rain or shine, whether, you know, um, it's a good day, rough day, whatever it may be, I'm still looking forward to what God has for me around the, around the corner. Because again, he knows I don't, so sometimes I just have to have faith and I just have to have to trust that. So to me, that life of anticipation, again, is just always having something to look forward to. Another thing, another question I, I proposed was, um, when you think in scripture, who do you envision from the Bible as a prime example of faithfulness? I think, you know, throughout Bible, I mean, that's what most of the characters we read in scripture is, you know, men or women of faith, faithfulness. And so who comes to mind when you think of faithfulness? Some people said, um, you know, Job, the way he was able to endure losing everything but still remain faithful to God. Um, David was, you know, just a great man of faith and the things, you know, the, the trust he, he put in God and how God was able to deliver him and carry him and just bring him to such a, such a prominent position. And then the answer I used that I said no one was allowed to steal um, just for my own sake was Abraham. I think when I, I don't know, when I think of faithfulness, faithfulness, Abraham is the first one to come in my in my mind, and you know, even you know, he has the nickname the father of faith of the faithful. So I think that kind of backed me up on maybe my thinking of that. And you know, the, two of the examples I think of are when you know, first first when God promised Abraham he would have children, and, you know, Abraham kind of said, "Oh yeah, okay, all right, you know, I, I trust you, God. I have faith that you will deliver on your promise." But I think what was interesting here with Abraham is that. Not only did God, you know, deliver on that promise, he over-delivered. I mean, the family and the generations and the family line to come from Abraham was just something beyond anyone could under anyone could expect or think would be the case. So, Jesus's or sorry, God's promise to Abraham not only did it, you know, match his his expectations, it surpassed it. And not only did it surpass his expectations, it also surpassed his understanding. I mean, at the time, Abraham had no way of knowing that, okay, he had a son. And then what would just carry on from there and the generations to come and where that would lead to and the prophecies that would be fulfilled through through that um, through that family line. And then, you know, the second story I thought of, was, of course, was with his son Isaac and how, you know, Abraham had waited 
all these years to have his first son that he was promised. And as soon as he had it, you know, he was faithful. And then he had a son. His son grew up a little bit. And then God said, okay, Abraham, I'm going to have you sacrifice your son Isaac. And man, oh man, is that just mess, would that mess with your head? I mean, but God, or at least my reaction. I mean, Abraham, again, the reason I think he's such a man of faith is because of the um, example he set. You know, if it were me, I would be like, but God, you you promised me the son. I waited a lifetime for the son before he finally arrived. And now as soon as he's gotten here, you're asking me to sacrifice this. I can't help it. I know. I just know I would question it. I, I can't imagine being placed in that situation. But Abraham did as he was told, showed he was faithful. And he, he didn't know, you know, that God was going to spare Isaac and um, in that way. But again, it's just this idea that um, God asked for faithfulness. Abraham showed faithfulness, but then God still asked for more faithfulness. It's not just a one and done thing. You don't prove your faithfulness and then you're good. It's a constant thing we have to strive for. And even, you know, if we've proved ourselves to be faithful, we still have to continue to be faithful. It's not, again, you can't just move on after a moment of success. It is a constant thing throughout our lives. But again, it's that good life that faithfulness brings. So it is throughout our life that it will bring us a good life. Um... So then I thought to myself, so why are we called to faithfulness? I don't say this in like a selfish way, but I know enough to know that everything God commands me to do, I do in service of him. But in all honesty, I know he does it to benefit myself. Even when, you know, I'm doing things to serve God and all honesty, God's asking me to do those things in some, in some form or another, it's going to come back and it's going to better my own life, my service to him. And so I thought, Okay, so what does faithfulness do for me? And again, it's not a self-serving way, but it's just like, God, why why would he call me to do this? Why would he want me to be so faithful to him? And um, just so how does God benefit us through faithfulness? Um, I think it is just that idea of optimism. I'm going to go back to that word of um he wants us to be hopeful for the future. He wants us to know um, that he has good to come for us. It's not to say that there won't be hard times ahead, but again, ultimately, he means good for us. And so I think if we just understand that, you can maintain that mindset and that spirit of just um, of joy. Uh, something I've been talking about a lot of people here lately is just he gives us this joy. And so if we have that faithfulness, it should it will bring us a life of joy that he provides. Um and then there's also this this thought, you know, faithfulness. I feel like for myself, I go through seasons where it's like, man, I did a good job here lately. I feel like I've been very faithful to God. I've been very loyal. I've been very consistent. But then there are other seasons where I lack the faithfulness. I know. I know I'm struggling. I know I'm not fulfilling my part of the of the agreement with God. And so I have to think to myself, okay, man, what? so what does that mean for me? If I'm lacking in if my faithfulness is struggling here lately, what do I? What does that mean for me? Well, in Second Timothy, you know, this is just the beauty, the love of that God it gives for us. In Second Timothy two thirteen, it says, "If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot disown Himself." And I want you to think about that for a second. I mean, we all, you know, if we're even if we're trying our best to fulfill a life of faithfulness to Him, there will be times where we struggle and where maybe we don't have the faith that we need or the the enough faith in a sense, but 
this scripture right here tells me that, okay, in what I am lacking, he will make up for that difference. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Whatever, whatever level of faithfulness I'm at, he will meet me there. If I'm high in faith, then he will come and meet me at that point. But if I'm low and I'm really struggling, then he will come down and meet me where I'm at. He fills in that gap. Wherever I'm at in my faith, he will meet me there. And that's just so great to think that it's like, man, it's not. Yes, I will try desperately to maintain my faithfulness to him. But on those times when I'm struggle, he doesn't just stay up there, you know, up in heaven, up in the clouds and say, well, you're down there. I'm up here. So you got to you got to get yourself up here. He says, let me come to you. Let me come and meet you where you are at and let us be together. He never he would never just let us be down there by ourselves. So just even when we lack faith, he does not. He will make up for, you know, whatever we may be lacking. So, again, here, why is a life of faithfulness such a good life? That's the whole name of my my segment this week is the good life of faithfulness. I kind of already touched on this, but I just, I'm going to keep coming back to it because it's this optimism. You know, God, God's will, God's plan is perfect. And if I can just do my best to align myself and attach myself to that and be faithful to that, then I know, even if I'm not perfect, I'm going after someone who is perfect. I'm, I'm trying to say to a plan from God that is perfect. And so that optimism, I think, just kind of keeps coming back to me. And I know, again, if you're not naturally an optimistic person, you know, that's kind of why, you know, I feel like we're called to this is, um, you know, we just surrender to God. Why is this such a good life? Well, honestly, I think a lot of it also is because we just get to surrender to God. I mean, I know I constantly try to control my life, even when things are outside my control, and that can be so frustrating. If I want something so desperately and I do everything in my power to make that happen, if that's not of God's will, then it will not happen. I can't force things that he does not mean to be. And so this idea of giving up that control and just surrendering to God and just say, okay, God, I don't know. That's what I want. But if that's not what you have for me, I have faith in whatever it is you have for me. And so if you can surrender that control, I think you would, I think honestly, most of us would find our lives to be so much better. We would just be at peace and we would just enjoy the good life as opposed to constantly trying to fight and just um, force the life that we want to live as opposed to the life that Jesus has called us to live. Um, kind of closing up and wrapping up here. So I thought of some good examples of earlier in the in this segment, I talked about the good life of the world. And then I thought versus the good life of God and how they kind of um, how they contrast or how they're very different and you know, this again, this is tied to this faithfulness. So here's kind of some examples I, gave, I came up with. So, you know, in the world, you know, if we put our faith in the world, sometimes it hits, sometimes it misses. This goes back to anticipation, the things we want in life. I think back to movies. Again, sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. Okay, and that just goes for everything in life. Anything we're looking forward to, sometimes, oh man, it's so great. It's so awesome. But then sometimes it's a disappointment. However, the good life with God, those things that we anticipate, those things that we look forward to, they're on the mark every time. They hit exactly as they're meant to be, and they're perfect according to God's plan. Now, the tough part about that is sometimes we don't, we can't see it. We can't understand it. We think we are, um, maybe it doesn't seem like it's what we want or what we had hoped for. But in all honesty, it's still even better than what we could think of. Um, you know, I think about different moments in my life where I was like, God, this is where you intended me to be. And then something goes wrong. And then I think to myself, okay, well, I guess maybe I misunderstood. 
maybe I was wrong there. Maybe um, this isn't where you meant me to be. And so again, it's just back to this faithfulness, okay? Even when I think I'm doing what is right, if it does not work out, I maybe have that realization of like, okay, maybe I was, you know, being something else was making me feel this way or think this way. But I just know that even if I can't see it, even if I don't understand it, I'm doing as God has truly called me to do and what his will truly is, then it is perfect. Even if I don't understand it in that moment and can't see it at that time. You know, uh, back to the good life of the world. It's hard to put your faith in something that you know is flawed. And I mean, if you hopefully you understand that the world is a messy place and there are, there's good, there's bad, there's, um, there's just a lot of um, flaws in the world. And I don't know how you can put your faith into something that you know at times will let you down. How can I trust something that I know will fail me sometimes? Not every time, but even if it's just every every once in a while. If it fails me, why would I put faith in that? Why would I put a, you know a level of trust that is only worthy of God? So then I think of the good life with God. So um, even when we don't put our faith in him, he still will deliver. So think about that for a second. I can put all my faith in the world and it will not deliver. I can put just part of my faith in God and he will deliver. And I'm not saying that it's all you got to do is just, well, just put a little faith in God and that's good enough. It's not our point. I mean, our point should be, or our goal should be to be absolute faithful in everything we do. However, we are in this world, so we are flawed. We will make those mistakes. We will come up short at times, but he will still deliver. And man, that's so encouraging just to know that like, oh God, I'm going to do my best, but my best is not going to be enough. And he knows that. And he's going to say, okay, well, do what you can. And then I'm going to lift you up to where you need to be the rest of the time. And again, don't take it. It's not to be taken advantage of. We shouldn't just say, well, I did my best. Oh, well. It's man, God, I'm trying. I'm really trying, but I'm struggling. And he sees that. He knows that. He hears that. He will come to you. And the last thing I thought of this, you know, the good life of the world, this faithfulness in, in, within the world, like the world's a complicated place. What could be considered a success for some is a, you know, a miss for others. There's so many different, you know, beliefs and politics and just thoughts on so much in the world that it's everyone thinks something a little bit different. And that's hard to navigate. I mean, how do I put faith in something that like, again, well, I don't know, it seemed really great for that person, but then it really seemed to disadvantage this other person. It seems like they're at a loss. So I don't know if it's good for one person, but not for another is it really good? And I don't, that's confusing. I don't have an answer for that, but it's just something that I don't know. Whereas if I look at the good life with God, God's will is perfect. If I know nothing else, I know that. And so I just know that even if I don't understand it, if I can just trust it and have faith in it, then it will carry me through to the end. And I know it will bring me to where God means me to be. If I can just maintain that faithfulness, then I will end up exactly where God wants me to end up. And that's just, again, that's a comforting thing. So those those different comparisons there between the good life of the world and the good life of God. Um, I don't know. All those points to me just point me towards God and say, okay, that's what I want to put my faith in. That's what I want to have hope in. That's what I want to um, anticipate and have expectations of what he has to come within this, you know, quote unquote, good life he has for us. And so just in closing, you know, this last um, piece of scripture here in Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. That scripture ends on the word faithfulness, and I just think that's just 
perfect for what we're doing here this week is just is looking at this idea of the good life of faithfulness. Why is that such a good life? Why is that a life that I would want to have? Why would I want God to um, instill that faithfulness in me so as to live a good life in him? And here just telling me if I'm seeking after him, you know, I'll get all these great things, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness. I mean, those things in itself sound great, but also just even faithfulness. Like the more I seek after God, the closer I try to get to him, the more faith I will have in him, the more I'll be able to trust him. I, I just think the, the closer I draw near to him, the easier it'll be for me to have that faith and have that absolute trust in him. And um, I just get to, again, anticipate what he has to come for me because I look forward to whatever pleasurable outcome that he has for me in this world. And, um, well, actually even beyond this world, you know, when I, when I get to be with him someday, um, man, what, what more beautiful thing could I look forward to? So I will close this out in prayer, but I hope you continue to listen to these series and where we go from here in the coming weeks. So let me close this out. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Um, I thank you for blessing me with this word to share to people. And I know faith is a, faith is a struggle. Sometimes you feel like you have it. Sometimes you feel like you don't. And so I just feel like at anyone that might be struggling right now with, um, with this and feel like they might be lacking, that maybe they would hear something in this today and just think, okay, I want to be faithful to God. I want to have that, that good life of faithfulness. But Lord, I need your help getting there. I can't do it on my own. You know, back to the fruit of the spirits, this, this faithfulness, Lord. I want, I want to draw near to you, so I want those fruits of the spirit to come through me, and I want to experience that good life that you would have for me. I know a lot of people have many struggles. I mean, that's always been the case, but I know here lately, it seems like more people are struggling and things like that. And so just, if they could just see that being faithful to you, it might not be an immediate delivery from their, from their hardships, but over time, if they can endure, just remaining faithful to you will bring them to a beautiful outcome that is not only um, beyond our expectations, but it's beyond our understanding. It'll be so, so great, so glorious that we can't even understand how great it is until we come to be with you someday in the future, Lord. So just as we go throughout this week, Lord, I just lift up all those people that, that need to hear this word, Lord. And that, um, again, if they're lacking in faith, that you would meet them where they are and that they would know that. That they would know you are, you are there with them wherever they may be, Lord. And I just thank you for this day. In your name we pray. Amen.